RadioInfluence.com. Welcome in, gang. He's Brandon Thompson. I'm Jerry P. Tug. This is the A Place for My Head podcast, and it seems like the inevitable has finally happened. Hell has frozen over. There's There are like icebergs floating through hell right now because we've been trying to get this interview done for weeks. And I am so excited for our guests this week. Uh, we have authors Joshua and Sin Coburn. Uh, you can follow them on Instagram at Joshua Coburn and at Sin Coburn, C-Y-N-N Coburn. Um, Joshua, uh, we're really going to kind of talk about his books, but uh, from what I understand, Sin, you guys are both working on a book together. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. That's awesome. Now, Joshua's written a couple books, um, you know, the, the two that we're really going to focus on today, uh, Through the Eyes of an Abstract Mind and Shit That Needs Said. And frankly, there's a lot of that going on in the world. And, and I know these are, uh, this is a couple that Brandon kind of turned me on to. How did you find it, Brandon? Well, you know, like we were briefly talking about, uh, not to mention icebergs in Florida, um, but uh, Instagram, honestly. Uh, so Josh does this really cool kick-ass thing where he writes a note on a sheet of paper every single fucking day, and he posts it on Instagram every day. And through chats uh, and talks uh, prior to this, uh, I thought it was for everybody else. But uh, I don't know. You want to tell the story a little bit, Josh? Because I was surprised how it started. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I do that because um, back in the day when I was kind of digging out of my own uh, tough spot, I, I hit bottom pretty hard and really was thinking that um, I, I would never get out. And I didn't know how to get out of it. I kind of burned all the bridges that I had and didn't know what would be best to, to kind of move forward. And what I started doing was I started to just write myself little notes on post-its and put them around my house or my car or, you know, wherever I could kind of see them. And it'd say just like stupid shit that, you know, you've all heard or read that say like, you know, smile, they're contagious or, you know, today choose happiness or whatever. And then just slowly, but surely I started writing my own or things that I just really needed to hear. And I'd post them on social media and that's when things started going kind of crazy because I was just trying to keep my own head above water. And then I'd start getting messages from all these people who were thanking me for, you know, helping them do anything, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, start their own business or go back to school or, or, uh, even, you know, soldiers would message me from like Kuwait and Afghanistan and, and awesome. Guam and all these places. And, you know, hear, hearing anyone, let alone a soldier tell you that they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for things that you did or actions you've taken is absolutely mind blowing. So that's kind of the long and short of it. Yeah, that, no, that's, that's amazing. Awesome. It's like, you think about it and I'm like, uh, I would write down to myself, well, it's Tuesday. Thank God it's not Monday. I mean, but the stuff that you write is totally different and right. inspiring and uplifting and all that kind of stuff. And to hear stuff like that is just, Truly, truly amazing. You know, it's really cool. Um, I was I was telling Brandon uh, last episode when we were talking about uh, you guys coming on. There's actually uh, a little bookstore in Ann Arbor, Michigan called Literati, and they have a, nice. a, a typewriter set up. It's an old school. I mean, this thing looks like it's got to be from like the 1920s. And uh -huh. every day they put in a blank piece of paper and anybody that comes into the store can type anything they want on this paper. Wow. And it, it reminds me so much of what you're doing on Instagram and they actually turned it into a book called notes from a public typewriter. And it's oh, just, awesome. Oh, it's the coolest concept. And this little store is amazing. I've been there a time or two and um, it, it just, it's so reminiscent of what you guys are doing because it's, it's a lot of the same, uh, you know, the same concept, uh, you know, the positivity or if somebody's having a rough day, you know, somebody will write something and then somebody will, come along an hour later and answer it and it just starts right. a con oh it, it's just a, it's just a cool concept so i i really dig what what you guys what what you're doing there yeah thank you i mean there's i i love that kind of vibe i there's a book that came out several years ago called post secret i don't know if you guys have heard of it but essentially and i can't remember the author's name or who compiled it but they just put a uh peel box out there and said you know if you have a secret that you're dying to tell that you don't feel like you can trust anybody with anonymously send it on a postcard here. And people did and they compiled it and it is unbelievable. I mean, stuff, people admitting like childhood 
traumas and rape and other things all the way through to, you know, I was uh, gay in high school and never told a soul. And now I'm married with four kids or, you know, things like wow. that. Like it's so powerful when you allow people to just kind of be vulnerable and, and allow them a, a place to be vulnerable. Well, what yeah, I, man, one, I, I'll say one of one oh. of my favorite podcasts. Have you ever heard of the comedian Chris Gethard? I have not. Okay. Mm, no. Chris Gethard is a stand-up. He's been around for a while, does a podcast every week. It's called Beautiful Anonymous. And basically he puts out, you know, the hotline number into a studio and people can call in and you the the one caveat of this podcast is you cannot give your name. You cannot tell people where you're from. You just tell your story. And some of the conversations, it's 60 minutes. At 60 minutes, a buzzer goes off, the phone disconnects, and you're done. But some of the stories and conversations that he has, when people anonymously can can tell their stories and, and talk about their lives, and, I mean, you get the, the insanity stories of, you know, drunken whatever, but then you get into, like, family secrets and, and shit like that, that it's like, I can't believe these people are telling, you know, telling their stories on an open you know, forum like that. But then again, it's like, nobody knows who they are. So I guess it doesn't matter, but it's, it's, again, it's the same concept of people just telling their stories. And, you know, a lot of what, you know, Brandon and I are doing here and and a lot of what you guys are doing on your end, it's just connecting with people. Yep, it is. Absolutely. You know, what's crazy is that, um, we get all the time, we have people that come up to us and thank us for everything that we talk about and how open we are with our paths. And, you know, they wish they can be like that. And that's such a weird thing to me because there's a stigma out there that you just can't talk about what you've been through. You know, it's shunned for some reason, or they think that people are going to make fun of them or I don't know. But what's weird is I've never been that way. I've always so openly discussed things that I've gone through without a care of what people would say or anything, because I don't know, just deep down in me, I know that it's powerful and it will help a lot of people, but it's also healing to me to be able to openly talk about it and see the responses that I get. I can so relate to that, like in so many ways, because ever since um, I guess I started the podcast with Jerry um, and I started with the website, um, I've I've openly talked about so many different topics and things about myself and personal uh, life that. I never thought I ever, 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 ever would, but, and it was all in, 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 in the light of, uh, embarrassment, you know, like, Oh, like I'm a huge uh, dude that embraces humility, man. Like that's, you, you have to have that as a human inside you and act on it daily in my opinion. Right. But, um, uh, just sharing my story and having people reach out that relate or that we, you know, end up helping uh each day we do this it's just it's mind-blowing to me but it's 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 like that's that's purpose at that point you know it it, it defines everything that we're doing and you know i've like like i mean i've revealed a ton of stuff on this podcast and i'll probably do one today um uh touching on books i know you guys are working on a book together and i've read through yours josh like um um there was something that I like I, I identified with really quickly and it was yeah. your child, your childhood. Um, for me, same way. It seems like you had to grow up really, really, really fast and, right. uh, and have to deal with, uh, you know, basically, uh, not parenting, but something about your mom and dad that you had to actually be the grown up in the situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I grew up a little bit of the same way. My, my parents were, uh, you know, I think, I think you referred to it. Uh, I guess alcohol was, it was a huge deal for you. Um, and you stay away from that currently. Right. Um, I mean, I, I have drinks occasionally. I mean, I like a, a nice whiskey, et cetera, but, uh, it's definitely not an issue in my life. And I, I make damn sure of that. Yeah. 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 So you grew up, but basically you grew up like around, um, someone that would abuse alcohol. So uh, for yeah, me, both, both parents of mine were, were, and one still is an alcoholic. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So for me, I, I had to have a battle infidelity and it was ah. a challenge. It was a big challenge, man. So watching, you know, and hearing, you know, of all the, all these different things as a kid, uh, my father, you know, it just damaged me. At the same time, I looked at someone who was supposed to be like, 
you know, a hero per se, uh, was actually damaging me in, in, in horrible ways. And yeah, it was just, it was, it was, it was definitely a challenge for me. Sure. So I get it. So, I get it. So like having to deal with that and, and, and take, you know, and take myself as a kid. And even when I, when it, when it was really like revealed with, when I was an adult, that made it even harder, you know, like it's just, it just fucks you up. And he's the same person that, that when I was feeling down or depressed or all these different things, he would call me, you know, a pussy basically if I wanted to go seek help or anything like that. So right. I don't know. Uh, uh, sucks a Dude, lot. Yeah. That's, that's heavy. I'm, I'm sorry. You had to, had to kind of deal with that. That's it's, it's hard to be a parent or, or to be forced to carry their burdens. And I think in life, um, we all do that to other people, maybe not even intentionally at some point. And right. now with the age I am looking back at things like I get it, they were doing what they had to do the way they had to do it. You know, they didn't know right or the right way. Um, to maybe do things. And, you know, I can't fault people for being themselves, but it still sucks that, you know, they were carrying things that caused them to take the actions they took, which, you know, much later caused us to take actions we took. And it's like, how do we, how do we carry that properly without damaging somebody else? You know, those are questions I always ask myself because I mean, even with sin and I now, like I'm almost, fucking 40 years old and there's still things I have to work through, even though I've, you know, majorly been able to kind of hammer through much of uh, my major issues, but there's things that come up and it's like, Oh, that's from, you know, this moment then when I was eight or 10 or 12 or, you know, whatever was reinforced for so many years. And like, so now she is faced with some of that burden that I have. And I think we do that to our kids as well. And I don't know that there's any way around it. It's, it's a, it's a heavy torch to have to pass on, but I think we all do it in some way as shitty as that and hopeless as that might sound. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's almost devastating to kind of think of the thought process that goes along with it. Um, right. And then Another thing for me uh, that, you know, I read or whatever, uh, it seems uh, like schooling and stuff, high school and all that kind of shit was a challenge for you. Uh, Seeing perhaps like you didn't feel like you fit in and you were the oddball at times. Right. Yes, completely. Uh, That was absolutely my that's been my whole life. I just didn't understand the value in it as a kid. Um, Now I understand that value because now I can be the guy that for everyone else that doesn't feel like they belong. Well, those misfits, they can belong with me instead because I get it. I know what it's like to not belong and I don't care what you're into and what you're about. As long as you're not a, an asshole, you're a good person and, and you're putting good into the world. I don't care about your interests truly, but I want you here with me. If you don't feel like you belong anywhere else. And having an army of unbelievable people that are educated in ways that myself or sin are not only makes us and them better. So I just didn't see the value in that as a kid. I just felt like, oh, shit, we, we're not rich. I'm not cool. We don't have you know money. I got along with everybody. I think Cynthia did as well. But that didn't make us feel like we belonged anymore or less, if that makes any sense. Sounds like it was no, it totally does. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense because oh. I, I know I've we I've talked before. You know, I'm, I think we're all right around the same age because I'm I'm 41. I'm going to be 42 this year, and you know there are still times every day that you know it's like in the back of my head. I'm like, why am I here? What the hell am I doing in this group? I don't belong here. And you know, there's always every that, that day. every day. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not <laughs> exaggerating every single day. And you know, yep. I, I was a lot like you were in high school where I always made it a point to have a friend in each of the little cliques. So I, I, I learned to navigate and I learned to get by right. and, um, right. you know, uh, <laughs> it's funny. We're, we're talking about this because I actually had a business meeting a couple years ago with somebody that I went to high school with that I hadn't seen since high school. And as soon as I walked into his office, 
everything from high school came flooding back through my mind and I turned into a steaming pile of goo and it was a, it was a waste of time for everybody because I can barely talk. But wow. But it's 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 amazing. So you know, it's it's one of those things and and it's hard to overcome, you know, and what were some of the ways that you guys were were able to get over uh, over that hurdle and, and over that hump? Uh well, uh, I'll jump in first here. I'll let let Sin in a moment. But um, for me, it was a matter of just allowing myself to hit bottom. When I finally hit bottom, that's when I could kind of rebuild. So uh, those post-it notes and, and writing and things like that are what helped me rebuild my life, my confidence, and my self-worth because I had none, zero. I was ready to check out completely. And um, you know, those moments and that kind of practice of, of happiness and self-confidence and and value over the course of the next 20 years or what did it for me. So there's no short answer. You know, I mean, in high school, I was, I was slowly declining, even though people thought I was just fine. And when I got out of high school and got to my first apartment, I started to hit bottom because I had nobody. I was alone is how I felt. So what about you, Sin? And I think it's too, like, you know, he said uh, about self con- um, not being self-conscious, you know, loving yourself, um, having all the confidence. And, you know, that can be hard at times because, I mean, even as an adult, I've been in a few abusive relationships and it's challenging when you have someone constantly telling you you're a piece of shit, you're like mm-hmm. all these different things. Um, you start to believe it. You really do. And it takes a lot of self-love to think through that and realize that that's not the case. And, you know, it was a daily thing for me and almost, you know, daily affirmations to tell myself, this is not me, you know, this is them being cruel, but this is not who I am. Um, and I gained the strength to, um, get out of these relationships, um, and to kind of backtrack a little bit, we discussed how people are scared to talk about their past. And I've realized a lot of it has to do with abuse because people feel ashamed that they stayed because people tend to say, why did you even get involved in that? Or why did you stay? You know, I hid behind that same curtain for a long time. I was embarrassed. I'm like, why the hell did I stay? But through the time I realized that you're in that web, you are stuck in that. And it takes a lot to get out of it. And once you're out, you can look back and realize that web that you were stuck in. Um, you can see the psychological things that were going on. Um, everything was a game. You know, they knew how to work it very well in order to knock you down. And at that point, it's easy to see why you didn't get out. You know, and people are comfortable in situations, even if they're bad um, situations. And so to think about, Um, you know, if I get out, then, you know, he's threatening to take everything I own or he's threatening to, um, do whatever, how, whatever it is, they threaten those things in order for you to not leave. Right. And you start to control that. Yes, exactly. Yep. And I mean, I even lived in a shelter for abused women and children, and that took a lot for me to even get to that point. And, you know, multiple times I, I went back. Because it was uncomfortable for me to be in these shelters. It was easier for me to be in a home that we all knew. We knew what to expect, even if it was something bad. And that's embarrassing to talk about for a lot of people. Because the people that haven't been through this stuff don't understand why that is the way it is. So through all that, um, I just continued to love on myself and realize that I was worth it. And going through that every single day, it, you know, it's just a matter of time before I really stood myself back up. And, you know, you hear the saying about a Phoenix rising, you know, I feel like that's exactly what it was. So it just comes down to self-worth. I mean, that's all it is every single time with everything. It's self-worth, no matter what people tell you, you just have to love yourself more than what they say. That's awesome. My mind, my mind is exploding right now. I would say, Brandon, this all sounds so familiar because this is, I, I feel like we're having a conversation with ourselves because yeah. we, we've talked about yeah. just that. And, you know, I know I've opened up a little bit about, uh, you know, my background and, and I, we all come from very similar backgrounds. Uh, you know, my childhood was, was very abusive, you know, mentally. Uh, you know, I, I had an abusive father that, you know, would smack my mom and, and my family around, but he never lay a hand on me. Everything with me was was on, on the emotional and the mental side. So, you know, I always thought everybody was getting their asses kicked because of me. And I grew up with that every single day. And it, it's totally wow. absurd. But when you're a little kid, that's that's the only rationale you have, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, between that and constantly, you know, the belittling and, 
you know, I, I totally can relate to your story because I've, I've lived it, you know, when, uh, yeah. When my mom finally had enough and, and, and got out of the situation, I was 2021 ish. And, you know, at that point, you're 2021, you're looking to start a life of your own. You know, you've got, you're saving up money to get your own first place and this and that and the other. And, and, you know, what little money I had went to make sure she was safe. And for the first, I don't know, six weeks or so, we had nothing more than a pillow and a change of clothes, literally. So, and yeah, yeah, so I I, I totally can relate to your story. And and, and I've been there, maybe maybe little different circumstances, but I I can definitely, definitely relate. And and I feel for you and I admire the way you've bounced back and, and recovered out of it. Because like I said, to this day, I still hear my father in the back of my head telling me how useless I am and how I'm never going to amount to anything. And, and, and it, it, you know, it, it wears on you and you're right. You know, it, yeah. after a while it, it gets beat into you. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of my closest friends and, and, you know, people in my life have no idea about any of this because, you know, it was always taught growing up in, in my household that, you know, what goes on behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. So, right. yeah. So when all hell broke loose, you'd have thought that, you know, Wally and the Beave and the family were breaking up and, and, oh my God, you know, the all American family was splitting up and it's like, you guys have no idea. Right. And that's how it always kind of is though. Right. Like, right. I mean, in, in those situations, the silence and the, the closed doors is what kind of allows that stuff to keep happening. And I, I think for many of us, um, you know, rebuilding that self-confidence and that self-worth comes from, from kind of that, that hitting bottom realization. Some never get there. And some struggle. I have people in their 60s message me that they still won't do certain things in their life because their parents wouldn't approve mm-hmm. and their parents have been dead. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, bro, like <laughs> you got you got nothing to lose here. And this is this is an opinion of one human being who's no longer here. And it's an opinion about how you should live your life. And there are millions of people living a, a life related to that. And they still struggle with processing that because the control continues even after death. Mm-hmm. Control, control. God, yeah, and- I, I, I want to say like control is basically like how I live my entire life up until like this moment right now. It's always been one element of life that I try to get away from, but I can't get away from, you know, there's always someone out there trying to control you, trying to make decisions for you, put words in your mouth and all that kind of stuff. Like I was the oddball. I I still think I'm the oddball. Like I didn't come out of my shell in high school. I was the kid that had the, you know, the stupid looking bowl haircut with uh, the LL bean backpack full of books in high school that could, I mean, I could tip over at any moment because all the books in my, in my <laughs> backpack. And I mean, there's a picture, I, I swear I'm going to share it one day, but there's a picture of me in my yearbook with that said backpack on that I'm about to tip over on my freshman year. But until, and this is a story I've never told. Um, but until I actually started doing drugs and I caved into my surroundings, I truly didn't find myself until then. And it's sad for me to have to admit that I, I taking drugs in high school changed me as a person um, for the better, which is really weird because like drugs are not in my life and I do not approve of them and I don't endorse them. But in high school, you know, you, you try different things and you do different things and stuff like that. But that's what really got me out of being so lonely uh, and, and created, uh, a social, uh, atmosphere for me. And, uh, you know, back when I was, uh, in high school, you know, DJing and stuff like that and EDM was really big. And so I became a DJ cool. Right. Uh, you know, DJing in clubs, like before I'm even 18, uh, fun <laughs> stuff. Right. But, uh, you know, I'm sure at a cost, I'm sure it did damage at some point, but, you know, um, but having to do something like that just to fit in is terrible for a kid. Like if I, like I have a five-year-old daughter and if I ever knew that she had to do something like that to fit in, it would kill me, like mm-hmm. absolutely kill me. But right. that was, that was me, you know? And, and, and like Cynthia, I was like, I read one of your posts one day and it was, I guess you guys are traveling and, um, and not to call you out of, and I apologize if I am, but, um, fair game with social media. Um, <laughs> 
you uh you were I think you saw a wrinkle or something, but whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. You're looking in the mirror, but the the end of the story where you were like devastated because you're in your 30s and stuff. Like I'm 37, about to, you know I'll be 38 next month. Um, but uh, waiting for you when you got out of there was a, you were in a complex moment. I've talked on on our past shows a lot about when I was going through all of my anxiety and stuff like that. I was scared to death of mirrors. As weird as that sounds, I was scared to death of mirrors. Now I'm not. I'm not, I'm not scared of them anymore. I can actually look at them, but I still like a pe- I still feel like a piece of shit, you know, six mm-hmm. days out of the week for seven, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but when you walked, you, you know, just reading what you wrote, when you walked out and Josh gave you a big hug, it all kind of went away, you know? Um, yeah. And he that, had and no idea that I was even going through that. Right. It's, but, but mentally you're fighting something in your head. Right. And that's, that's what my life is like all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. I think, I think it is for a lot of people. I think we underestimate the fact of that people are carrying a ton of shit and every single day in their life. Yeah, people tend to think that uh, because we do what we do, that you know we live these perfect lives and our heads are perfect, and that's so far from the truth. Um, and you know, often we get told, "Oh, but you wouldn't understand." Fuck that. Yes, we do understand. And it's still a battle in our fucking head, you know. Yeah. And it's it's por- important to mention too that. Um, you know, you talked about your parents and the things that they said in the past, that shit does still play in your head. No matter how healed, quote unquote, healed Mm -hmm. you are, the thing is, is certain things don't go away. And people beat themselves up when they can't get something to go away. And healing isn't about making it disappear. Sometimes healing is also nurturing those traumas because they will always be there and it's how you handle them. You know, hold your own hand through it and tell yourself that, you know, you love yourself. And- one of the biggest things that was, you know, very substantial for me is after one of my abusive relationships, um, it was really bad. I actually put myself into, into therapy. Um, I knew I had PTSD from it. Um, and one thing that she did with me was called, uh, EMDR therapy. And I don't know if it's a thing anymore, but it also, it's kind of coupled with partial hypnosis. Well, she put me in that whole, that state and she had me stand in a field with, with me as a little girl. And, um, she had me look at myself and hold her hand and she made me sit down and look in her eyes and tell her how beautiful she was and that none of it was her fault. And I lost it because looking at yourself as a kid, you realize there's nothing that you can possibly do wrong. Nothing. Kids are little sponges. Mm -hmm. They learn everything. They are a product of their environment you know, they, they are only reacting to the situation that they're in. Children are the most innocent beings ever. You know, they are the product of the environment that they are in. And I just sat there and I sobbed looking at me and my, all my little curls and my little dimple on my face. And that was huge for me. That was very, very healing. And she told me to keep a picture of me as a little girl in my, in my purse and carry it around anytime I feel down on myself. And I think about that moment because that was very healing. Um, Because like I said, it's important to remember that healing doesn't mean something is going to go away. It means you hold your hand when those things come up. Josh and I both still struggle with our past, whether it's from our childhood or things that happened in our past adult life. And we help each other through it and we help ourselves through it. We stand back for a minute. We think through these things and we hold each other's hands. And that's how we get through. It's about nurturing those traumas, not getting them to go away. Right, right. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and and I've I've told this story before. I, I don't know how much about me you guys know, but um I, I spent eighteen years in sports radio locally in, in, in the Tampa Bay area. And back in oh seven, uh and we actually did a, a whole episode about it, um, I came within ninety minutes of dying from from MRSA. And oh wow. <clears throat> yeah, at, at twenty eight they, they had to crack my chest open and it was it was a mess. I was in ICU for weeks. I was out of work for months. But I'm I'm a workaholic, so when I wasn't on the air, people knew something wasn't right. And right. you know, wow. what I would do and you know, I, I'd gotten into radio when I was nineteen, so my listeners had I, I'd grown up in front of them. You know, so I mean, there were there was yeah. nothing about me that they didn't know. And, you know, I would talk about it openly on social media and, you know, because it was a whole process and there were lawsuits because it was a malpractice situation. But, you know, without going into specifics, I'd say, OK, you know, this is kind of what's going on. 
And slowly, I would start getting messages from people saying, hey, I know it's different, but I'm kind of going through something similar. This is what I've done. This is what I've tried. Let's keep in touch and, and, and let's, you know, talk our way through this. Mm-hmm. And, For sure. And For sure. It, it, the light bulb went off. And, and like you said, it's relatability. You know, people are afraid to talk about it. But, you know, the whole premise of this podcast that Brandon and I are doing now is to start the conversation. And, you know, we're not afraid to be the ones to kick the door down and start that conversation because truthfully, as you've said, people are afraid to do it themselves. So somebody has to. And that's that's why we're doing what we're doing right now. And to talk about like stigmas, right? Um, Like, I know I feel like we're all frowning right now because we're getting our stories out and stuff like that. But it's again, it's healing. Like everyone has said, it's healing to talk about. Um, and you know, hopefully it touches, uh, people when they listen, but, um, I, I also want to talk about all the amazing things you guys do, uh, as a couple, like let's, you know, uh, and Jerry, forgive me, but I can, I can call all of us out, uh, minus you for being, let's call us freaks, right? We're tattooed, we're bearded, we're, you know, <laughs> expressive, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, you know, people can, can walk up to me in a grocery store or run away from me in a grocery store. Like, you know, right. whatever, whatever the case, you know, we're, uh, you're just into certain things, you know, and, and, and people when they, when, you know, whether I'm approachable or not, I'm told I'm not more often than I am. But, uh, you know, when people do talk to me, they're, they're just totally taken back as to, uh, the kind of person I am and who they're talking to. Cause right out of the gate, they look at me or I'm sure you guys experience it daily. You know, they, they expect a certain person to act a certain way when we look like we look right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and it's, it's just because it's, you know, it's not cause we're, you know, bad individuals. It all seems like we're like giant teddy bears, if anything, and, yeah. uh, and, and people just judge right out of the gate. And I, I'm telling you, man, like when I just scrolled through you, like y- y'all's profiles and stuff like that in and, and, and social media, see you run out in the middle of a gymnasium <laughs> in front of hundreds of kids in a high school and looking right. like you do, dude, it's almost, it's almost emotional for me to talk about. Wow. That's crazy. I'm, yeah. I mean, dude, like to let, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not calling you out on your looks or anything like that, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like we're, yeah, totally. we're, we're tattooed and bearded and, and expressive and, and same with you, Cynthia, like not bearded, obviously, but uh, <laughs> hey, um, well, hey, only on Sundays, the never little alone. Secret you didn't realize <laughs> that I have to shave once a week. <laughs> Wax is my friend. Wax is my friend. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I like, when I say emotional, it's like, I'm so proud, like to, like, you know, I'm like to talk to you right now. I'll be like, you know what? I know that guy. And he's in front of kids right now and everybody's okay with it because he's so damn positive and he's got something good to say. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I, you know, uh, thank you. Number one, number two, like, I think it's, you know, it really always came down to me because people always told me when I was younger, like, you know, don't tattoo your hands, your neck, your face, you know, keep it above the elbow, whatever. Yep. And, you know, I'm not going to say that's right for everybody, but it's tattooing my face was the best thing I ever did. People never forget the three dots on my fucking forehead. And, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I'm always like, well, none of that makes me an asshole. That doesn't make me a terrible person. That makes me more who I am. That's my armor. This is my vulnerability. This is my life story on me. Yeah. And people aren't willing to kind of traverse those waters with me, then I don't fucking need you. Like I don't want to work <laughs> at McDonald's. I'm not saying that's bad, but that wasn't my dream. My dream wasn't to work at McDonald's and, you know, bottom feed off other people and be homeless and do all this stuff. And again, no, no disrespect for any of those lives. If that's what people want, if that's what they are more power to them. But for me, I wanted to make sure that I had no choice but to live my best life. So I took away those choices by tattooing my face at 19 or 20 years old or whatever the fuck I was. And from there, I knew that I had to kind of live my best life as cheesy as that always sounds. And I worked my ass off to do it. It took me 18 years to be able to really fulfill my dream at the level I always saw myself doing it. 
And most people give up after, you know, a month or a week, 18 fucking years. And I'm still here yeah. doing it. Yeah. And I can say that I, you know, ticked off everything off my bucket list my whole life. I don't have anything left and I don't owe anybody anything because I did it on my terms. And that, I guess, was hugely important. But the big thing always was if I'm going to do all this, what value am I giving to others? Whose hand am I, you know, reaching down for that's reaching up for mine? Who am I picking up along the way? Because I watched my grandmother do that for people her whole life. And I really knew that if I was going to get to where I wanted in life, I had to be helping people climb their mountains in order to be able to climb mine. So I knew it had nothing to do with how I looked. And in the long run, I found out actually that was hugely beneficial for me because right, right. kids, let's face it, kids don't give a shit about a polo shirt wearing uh, khaki prancing fucking penny loafer motherfucker telling them to go to college. They don't. Tuck, tucked in shirt and all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's fine. Again, if that's who you are, be it. Like, I get it. I'd wear a suit every day if I if I could afford it. But, I mean, it's just, you know, kids don't want to see that. They want real. They want raw. They want authenticity. That's what social media gives them. And that when Sin and I walk out there in front of a crowd, that's what we give them, too. We don't bullshit around. We, we tell them the truth. And the truth is ugly and gross. And sometimes we're crying. And sometimes they're crying. But at the end of the day, we all walk out of there different. Because now we see people as human beings who are sitting next to us, not you know, mindless motherfuckers who go to school with us or go to the job with us and sit in a cubicle too. You know, it's funny, the the Instagram post that Brandon was talking about, uh, it's funny watching these kids as you run out there in the middle of the gym looking at you going, what the fuck? And then 10 minutes later, (laughs) you have them hooked. And and just to see the difference and the transformation of, boom, you've got them. It's what you guys are doing. It's it's amazing work. And, And I mean... There, there's not enough praise for what you guys are doing. I'm can just thinking, like, can we just, like, can we multiply? Can we, how do we, like, develop a, 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 more Cynthia's and, 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 and Joshua's in the world? Like, can just <laughs> make more, make more, make more, and send them to all the schools, right? Instead of all, all the corporate bullshit that's out there in the textbooks that are outdated and all the nonsense that kids are learning from just different areas and stuff like that. It's just, yeah. I, and, it, and the tattoos, you know, it's just... I I remember a moment uh, when I was probably 20, 21, something like that. I had tattooed the top of my feet, right? Um, uh, Yeah, that fucking hurts. Um, But uh, I have have, uh, birds on top of my feet, the the traditional swallows, um, and, and above it. And this is this is my one time to, to claim that I, I called it first. But my right foot says live and my left foot says once. So the whole YOLO thing, right. uh, I had that shit years and years <laughs> and years ago. Um, but, and so I have to just say that right now so I can not be weird. But uh, but yeah, just stuff like that, like like my body to me and my tattoos and stuff. It, it's my journal. You know, that was say, this is something we've never talked about. And, and I know I, I'm not in that world, so I, I, I have no reference point whatsoever. But, but how did the tattoo thing start with, with all of you guys? Well, for me, like I said, it's a journal. Like every, I can look at any part of my body and know when, well, like I can look at, you know, a tattoo and say, I know what I was feeling during that moment. Other than pain, I was, uh, you know, I was this age, I was going through this shit, I, you know, whatever. It, 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 I guess the more emotional kind of whatever sticks a little bit more, uh, when it comes to tattoos, but, uh, instead of positivity, but, uh, I mean, that's it for me. I can, it's just a journal of my yeah. life. Uh, for me, <laughs> I actually have a problem with authority, um, and obeying <laughs> to people. I struggle heavily with that. Um, therefore, like even at jobs, I bust my ass to work my way to the top. Cause I'm like, fuck you for telling me what to do, you know, because I just, I struggle with that. Some people are very, they're great at that. That's not me. Um, and all my life I've actually felt very different from the rest of society. I don't know what it is. I've just, I've always felt like I don't fit in. And so I've just done my own thing and I don't give a crap. And in fact, the more somebody tells me, no, it just lights a little fire under my ass. And I'm like, Oh, watch me. So, and I've always had that attitude because I'm confident in who I am as a person. I'm confident in what I'm capable of. 
And so for somebody to tell me, no, it just, it angers me. And so I do stuff just to prove to myself that everything is okay. It's exactly like what I thought. And, you know, people always talk, it's, it's a weird combination of whether people are accepting of tattoos and whether they're not, but honestly, through the years, I've noticed that more people are accepting than not accepting of tattoos, even yeah. the elderly. The elderly are just more curious than anything. You know, they'll ask yeah. a million and one questions. You know, they have no problem telling you if a tattoo is beautiful. You know, I used to take care of elderly and I can you know, firmly tell you not one time did any of them ever have a problem with my tattoos. You know, it's always compliments. And um, so it's just kind of confirmed to me this entire journey and, you know, into adulthood that it's okay. You know, so tattoos was that I turned 18 and I went and got myself a tattoo because I just wanted to do something that was just off the wall and different than what anybody oh God, else oh God. was doing. First tattoo, first tattoo, go. Uh, it's a leopard on my back with tribal around it. There you go. Gosh. <laughs> that one's not so bad. My second one though, we won't talk about. <laughs> what about you, Josh? Uh, you know, uh, well, first tattoo was I was 15 years old and I got the comedy and tragedy masks on my shoulder. But uh, uh, for me, like tattoos were like I grew up in a small town in in the Midwest. So nobody there, you know, they care about farming and shit. They didn't care about big cities and tattoos and art and travel and shit like I did. So. Um, I was busy, you know, escaping from reality and reading books and National Geographic and seeing, you know, these these people in foreign countries getting tattooed and uh, musicians get, you know, started getting tattooed at this time in the late 80s. And I'm like, you know, fuck, that's that's real culture. So that's what drew me into it um, early on. But more than anything, it was a way for me to tell a story without saying anything. So that's really what it came down to for me is, is, and it still is today. Like everything I have is generally, um, some kind of a reminder to myself about either memories or things I need to kind of pay attention to. Like the left side of my head says, be kind, because it's not a reminder to the world to be kind. It's, it's a reminder to me. I get up every morning still to this day, angry, and I have to work through it. That's just who I am. And I do, um, so it's a reminder when I look in the mirror, it's like, fuck, okay, don't just because you're having a shit morning doesn't mean you got to ruin everybody else's day. Yeah, I can relate. So it's, it's that it. kind of stuff for me. Like I have PMA on the right side of my head for obviously positive mental attitude, a reminder there to keep your head up. So, you know, there's, and, and I have other stuff that, you know, is, is very similar to that. It just reminds me to keep my head straight and keep moving forward in a way that's beneficial for myself and the world around me. It's so positive, man. Like I, I was laughing my ass off the other day, something you posted and you're like, you know, everybody asks like, what, what, what the fuck is on my hands and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, it's a triple. And I was, yeah, my yeah. wife, I was dying, man. And she's like, you're weird. I'm like, what the fuck ever? I don't care. That's funny. That is funny. Well, you gotta make light of everything, you know, and, and speaking of the whole, like, you know, always be kind and a reminder Josh and I actually have a secret code word if we think either of us are going to get hot-headed, and the word is sushi. <laughs> so if I think he's about to get angry, I say, sushi, Josh, sushi. And, like, there are other times where we're, like, walking to the car and someone pisses me off, and he's like, sushi, Cynthia. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, That's <laughs> funny. Get me back. Get me back in line. Get me back in line. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and the, it came up because there was one time we were at the grocery store, and you know, at the at some grocery stores, they actually have someone making the sushi right there, mm-hmm. and they're you know they're selling it and whatever, and you can grab the containers. Well, Josh wasn't paying attention to the fact that there was still a guy at the counter making sushi, <laughs> and I was like, fifteen dollars for a fucking roll of sushi? That's insane! Going off, and this guy's just staring at him like I just made that roll. Oh my god! <laughs> and you're saying they're going, honey, sushi, honey, sushi. Yeah. sushi. So, I, I know it's sushi. It's sushi. Fifteen dollars. He's going on and on about this price, and I'm like, I just want to get out of here now. That's hysterical. <laughs> so, yeah, Look, oh and, and it's it's not on the dude who made it. I'm sure he <laughs> roll of sushi. I'm just not fucking paying 15 bucks for a goddamn cold ass roll of shitty sushi. 
but let it be known it's not it's not the guy's fault it's the, no. it's the price it's so, the price. Right. Yeah. so now whenever situations like that arise we tell each other sushi that's oh my god that's, that's awesome. hilarious that's hysterical oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so like i i feel like we could go on and on and on about tattoos and and those kinds of things uh but you know let's try to i want to get back to like maybe um can you tell us about the the new book that you guys uh are are you currently working on it or is it done like to no. tell us a little bit more we're uh well we're we're both kind of in in the very beginning stages of it i mean we're both always writing like there's always things happening every day there's things kind of being worked on. And uh, the way I work is, is a little bit different actually than the way she works. But um, basically it, it comes down to uh, really kind of taking what's written and compiling it and finding a theme and then kind of, you know, wrap, wrap, basically wrapping a title and a cover around it, if that all makes sense. And mm-hmm. we're, we're still in the writing stages of it, but it's, it's happening. And we have, we have some cool ideas about how we want it presented because, of course, if it comes from us, it's not just going to be, you know, kind of a run-of-the-mill fucking book like you saw with shit that needs said. I mean, it's definitely not just a, an open it up and stare at some words, and and that's the way we want to continue doing things. Right, right. We want we want an experience for everybody who reads it. And we've yeah. even talked about doing some like pop-up things in it. And, you know, there's lots of different things. We have lots of stuff to go in it to make this book. It's just a matter of what do we do with it? So that's where we're at right now. Um, and okay. Yeah. And shit that needs said is awesome because you can just keep reading it over and over. It, it, it doesn't really get old because it's full of fucking, you know, awesome ass quotes and things that just lift you up and, you know, it, it, like there's no chapters to it kind of thing. You know, you just open it, you right. can open it up anywhere and start reading whatever's in front of your face. And it's in, it's like, all right, cool. Put it down and go, go about your day. Exactly. Uh, I, I love that. Um, you know, for me in particular, because of, you know, I was in school, man, I couldn't read for shit. I start in on the first two or three sentences and my mind would just go places. I couldn't, I couldn't get it back in front of the book. You know, yeah, you're so, reading the same sentence like three times. You're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. And I still can't fucking remember it because I'm yeah. thinking about like, you know, getting home and, and, you know, playing a game or whatever, you know, as a kid. Yeah. And it's still to this day is a huge challenge. And, and it, it's it's been like, you know, a constant pain in my career, uh, which, you know, just attention deficit disorder, you know, as a, even as an adult at 37, it's like, fuck. But yeah. um. Uh, you know, being able to read books like that, that are, I don't want to say simple, but just, I guess like for someone like me, I, I like them and I identify with them better and it, it, I get into it. Therefore I challenge myself more to live in it while I'm reading it and pay attention to it while I'm reading it, as opposed to something that that's like a requirement per se. Right. Like when I was going to private school, like fucking the worst thing ever was summer. You had to read like two books and write reports on two books during the summer. And I'm like, why the fuck do we have to do this? Right. This makes no sense to me. These boring ass shitty books that I'm not going to read. I'm a fake a report, which I did every single year. And I'll get through it. I know I'm yeah. going to get through it. Like I'm going to get yelled at, but I don't give a shit. I'm, I'll get through it. Like I, I, I think I took a language class. I took German in high school. And I don't even think I ever went. But I still graduated, you know, like, right. like I, I found a way that's I've, that's been my that's like my M.O. That's my my life. Kind of Cynthia, kind of like your story, like when someone tells you no, you're like, OK, hold, hold just hold, hold the beer, hold the beer, hold, hold the beer. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's been my M.O. It's like someone like tells me there's no way out of a situation that I'm in or whatever. I'm like, I will figure this out and I'll be laughing at you and it just give me just give me some time. And, yeah. and, and, you know, that's just been kind of like my thing, but it's nice to hear it on the other side, you know, like other people go through the same shit that I'm going through yeah. and, you know, just cause we look different doesn't mean we're bad people. And actually you're, everybody's so surprised what's on the other side of the conversation. Once you get past a stereotype or, you know, judging right. someone right out of the gate, it just, it's so, it's it's just been one of my things to always give someone a chance. Always, yeah, always be kind, you know? Yeah. And you know, it, 
isn't it crazy to think about life is all about perspective. So you have people that say, oh man, this world is just full of assholes and this and that. And well, yeah, exactly. They are full of assholes because that's what you think. But if you think, man, this world is full of beautiful people, you're going to start seeing the beautiful people. And so that's another way to get through challenges, man, is just change the perspective that you have in your own head. And so, it's hard work. It's not easy, you know, oh to say gosh, to say that one thing and do it is another, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there are times, I mean, because I was just, I, you know, my last relationship prior to Josh was an abusive relationship. And I went to bed as a single person so exhausted because mentally I was doing everything I could to heal from that. And that takes work. You don't have to do something physical in order to absolutely be drained. I mean, you can, and it'll make you feel like you just ran a fucking marathon. Mm-hmm. And, but it's, you know, that's just the, the side effect of it. And it takes work. It's not easy. And people tend to give up because something isn't easy. But if you want to see the little golden nugget and which you're worth it, you're worth that golden nugget. You just keep going and you continue this exhausting trip of how much you love yourself and you're going to eventually get there. It's hard at first, but then it becomes natural to think certain ways. You know, if you're, if you're thinking positive and you're, you know, putting in the effort to think positive things every day, you know, in two months, you're going to naturally be thinking positive about things. Yeah. And I think, uh, to that end, especially with mental health, people always get so uh, frustrated because they think, you know, you're going to change, you know, 20 years, 30 years, 60 years in seven days or two weeks of doing some mm-hmm. program or some shit. That's not how it works. You know, you've been practicing, um, you know, shitty behavior and negative self-talk for 40 years changing that to positive self-talk and making smarter personal decisions doesn't happen overnight. It takes practice. And, you know, people are fine with it. It's like, oh, if I want to be a pro basketball player, I got to play eight hours a day. Yes. If you want to be a pro at happiness, you got to practice every yes, waking yes. moment. And you can't yep. forget that. Yeah. Like it's a, I, I refer to it as fight club, but like, you know, uh, going to work, Every single day, you know, wearing that suit or tie and, and you know, uh, playing that person, you know, as it, cliche as it sounds, the struggle's real. The struggle's fucking real. It's real. Like, when you, when you go in every single day and you spend more time with assholes <laughs> out right. in the world and then you spend with your family when you get home, like, for me, like, it's, it's just that battle is so strong and so real because you're, you're, you're fighting people day in and day out that are trying to take you down and, 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 and you got to get through that every single day. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating in a sense a little bit, but you know, that's kind of how the mind thinks, uh, especially mine. And then when I get home, it takes me two hours to digress. And I call it fight club when I'm in my own head, like I'm fighting myself, but once I get out of it, I'm finally out of it. But then I just missed out on two hours of family time my daughter's asleep. My wife's asleep. You know, like it, it you know, it, it's got its pros and cons, but it's a way of me dealing with things. But, you know, I'm, I, 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 I sometimes find myself missing out on life. And and, you know, that to me kind of sucks. But yep. um, well, I am healthier. So I don't that's know. That's just what I was going to say. If that's what makes your life better. It's better to miss out on two hours than two days or two weeks or two months or 10 years because that right. happens. You know, of course, anyone who's going to a place or a job or or, you know, into anything that they hate. Obviously, my first recommendation is don't fucking do it. <laughs> Simple. Don't do it. You don't have to do that. And yes, there are consequences to not doing that. But you got to ask yourself, are the consequences worth more than the benefits. And I would challenge most people in that because most will say, well, what about X and X and X? Well, at the end of the day, generally you find out that happiness is worth way more than any single one of all of those other material things you potentially could lose by not showing up to a shit ass place. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you're, you're not something wrong. Else I, something else I want to kind of touch on because we're, we've been talking about how kind of there's judgment on the side of, of those who look at us maybe uh, as we are. 
But let's not forget that many people who are on our side of the fence look at other dudes in their suits or polos or their vests and button-up shirts as you know something that they're not either. The reason I bring that up is because one of my best friends on this planet doesn't look like he would ever be caught dead in a room with Cynthia and I. And, <laughs> and he is about as white bread, regular business dude as you could ever get. And you know what? He's one of my favorite people on this planet. And it just is further proof that you don't know what you're going to get until you're, you're breaking down those walls and, and you're vulnerable, yeah. vulnerable with one another. You know, it's crazy what that can do to relationships and to people. And at the end of the day, fucking culture, because yeah. we forget that, you know, kindness goes a long goddamn way and consideration goes a long goddamn way. Imagine what would happen if everybody, if we had something nice to say, and we always do, if we just said it instead of keeping it to ourselves and saying the negative bullshit, what would happen? It'd be fucking well, I, crazy. I couldn't think, I, I, Jerry, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I couldn't think of a better way to end this podcast than no. on that note. <laughs> Not I mean, at all. I, and honestly, I, it was funny because I, I, I had, I wanted to ask you about two things from, from through the eyes of the abstract mind. But yeah. I, at this point, you know what? That's the best way to end it. And, and I guess we're just going to have to have you have you guys on again in the future to talk about it. <laughs> I won't argue that. Absolutely. Yeah, because I, I wanted to you, you hooked me with with the book, uh, with the first story in the book about the red car lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> real, real, That's funny. You, you know, real he quick. He actually gets that a lot on that that particular story. I would yeah. say real, real quick, because I, I know we're we're running close on time. You're Share good. that story with everybody, because I think you're about to rock some people's world. <laughs> uh, well, the, the kind of quick and dirty about that and, and to be real about it. Um, I can tell you that that well. Here's the story. Essentially, there's a, a, an assisted living slash old folks home, kind of at the top of this hill, up from actually the high school that I used to go to, and I would take the same route every single day to school, and I would always see the same woman who sat in this far window every day. She was there, of course, for years. <laughs> and there's a dude who would kind of speed around town and. And I know he was leaving for work every day because he'd be leaving right about the same time I was, right? Like eight-ish. And um, he, he would have to see her as well. And, you know, you never know what people you never speak to mean to you, if that makes sense. And obviously, this guy drove by there and saw this woman every day just as I did. And I'll never forget one day seeing that the woman was not there and – I watched the guy pull into his draw into the driveway of this place, leave the door open when he got out of his car and rush inside. Well, I didn't know this at the time, but I later found out that this woman had passed away and this guy who drove this nice car and, you know, seemed to come across like he always had everything together. This woman was as again, as I later found out was about the only thing consistent in his whole life. Mm -hmm. And he always wanted to stop and say hello to her and thank her for this, but he never did. And then she died and he lost that opportunity. Like what a, a crazy thing. This woman just, you know, and, and we don't even know to this day, like, did she have dementia? Was she perfectly present? I don't know, but she was making an impact by showing up every day and looking out that window and enjoying her morning when I drove by and even more so for this other gentleman. So that, that's kind of the quick and dirty of that story. Yeah, you, you hooked me on this book with that open. And it was yeah, wow. it was just so cool because, you know, like I said, I've spent most of my life in radio. And, you know, when I got sick, and I'm going to reference this again, when I got sick, um, you know, just you don't realize the impact you have on people. Like you said, whether right. you know them or not. I, I have people that I consider really good friends that could walk up and hit me in the mouth. I wouldn't know who they were until they opened their mouth and said something to me. And I would know wow. the voice just because, wow. just because I was on the air so long, you learned to, you learned to recognize voices. And yeah. so I could totally relate with, with that story and, and it hit home. And, and the other thing I, I wanted to tell you, and it's kind of on a personal note, um, you've officially changed my philosophy on life. Um, wow. the, the story, uh, the, I think, and I want to get the, the, the direct quote, <clears throat> I couldn't have friendless M&Ms. No one should die alone. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's wow. brilliant. Yeah, man. That's yeah, brilliant. That's it's 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 silly to think about something so simple that we do as a kid, right? Because I don't know if I was the only one that separated their like M&Ms or Skittles or or Starburst by colors or not. But you know, I didn't I never wanted like if there's four, you know, blue M&Ms and, and I only had one red one. Well, shit. Now what? Right. Yeah. Mind blowing. Mind. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, and of course I would I would eat them. So they weren't alone. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, the whole moral of that story. God, you're making me really go back. I haven't talked about a lot of this for uh, years, like 10 years. Um, but what's crazy about that story is, yeah, once. Once you find out that, you know, the color wears off of the outside of those candy shells, they all look the same inside. And how shitty are we as human beings to continually spend time worrying about our outer shell and not what's inside? You know, what a what a crazy kind of moral of such a silly story. And how old how old were you when you went through that? Man, I was I was young. My my parents were still married, and I, and I remember, uh, and I think I might have even mentioned it in the story itself. The, I was to say I, like I don't a, I don't know why like six or seven keeps running through my head. Yeah, it, it was around there, maybe eight. I don't know because I remember I just got my ass completely kicked for um, spilling uh, red Hawaiian punch on our brand new fuchsia <laughs> carpet. So. <laughs> I remember because I was right by like the place that I always laid in front of the TV sorting out these candies. And I remember that the the spot on the carpet was like right there, probably haunting my parents forever. <laughs> well, I was going to say that that Eminem story I, again hit home because I, I was always the quiet kid that, you know, pondered life. Yeah, I, I was the this, much like you were the six or seven year old sitting there pondering, you know, the greater physics of, of whatever and, and deep philosophies and, and you're six or seven, how deep can you get? And, and then the Eminem story just hit me between the eyes. And I, I just, I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was great because I, I could totally see myself at that age doing the same thing. So th- those were the two, wow. the two big thing. And it's funny cause I, I, I read the book and those were the two things that stuck out to me, but you know, That's guys, crazy. Joshua sin, we appreciate the time. Tell everybody where they can find your books. I, I know uh, the one is on Amazon or, are, are they all on Amazon? No. Um, yeah. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave it there. Um, Enough said. Shit that needs said is exclusively at joshuacoburn.com uh, because business. <laughs> yeah. No, enough uh, said. But uh, yeah, yeah. You can get it exclusively there along with the other books. Inspiration on Demand, which actually was kind of the book that put me on the map, uh, you can find at Amazon for sure. Um, but uh, you can find anything on on Sin and I at joshuacoburn.com cool. or sinister.com. And that's C-Y-N-N-I-S-T-R, sinister.com. I-S-E-E-R. Jeez. <laughs> I got to learn We're to human. spell. That's awesome. Well, guys, we really appreciate the time. And, and I definitely want to keep in touch with you guys because this last hour has just flown. And, and I think we could talk for hours. So uh, oh, we're and, definitely going to have to reconnect again. And, you know, uh, again, hats off to everything you guys are doing. Uh, I'm proud of you for, for doing what you're doing and, and keep up the good work. Keep oh, it thank up. You. We, yeah, we appreciate it. Well, guys, that's been this week's episode of the A Place for My Head podcast. We'll be back next Monday. Again, he's Brandon Thompson. I'm Jerry P. Tuck. Don't forget the hashtag. Get it out. We'll see you next week, guys. This is an MJ Morning Show podcast quick fix on Radio Influence. The best thing that you can do as a listener to the MJ Morning Show podcast is to tell all your friends and coworkers and relatives about the podcast and to go to our website. Go to MJMorningShow.com. All of the ways to listen to this podcast every single Tuesday morning when it drops are available on our website. We just put up the MJ Morning Show hotline. That is 813-467-467. 6290, and you can send us a text message, or you can leave us a voicemail message. Listen to this voicemail to the MJ Morning Show hotline. Well, it's time to get up and get out of bed. Little radio genius climb in your head. Get a totally unpredictable start to your day. This guy's doing the jingle. Get your daily dose with MJ Morning Show. MJ.
Let's go. From six to ten. Oh, God. I mean, crazy he, gang. he knows the whole Comes thing. The voice of insane. A man you can hang with. He's a little demented, but baby, in a beautiful way. Yeah, he's drunk. Get your daily dose with MJ. MJ, <laughs> what is time the, to wake up what and What is this guy doing? MJ, MJ, <laughs> start your heart with MJ. How long is this? He takes a crazy oh. world. Right, we can stop playing this anytime. He knows the whole thing. Everybody oh. is getting oh, oh. with the sound of MJ. MJ. All right. All right we, get we get it. You <laughs> we get it. You know the song. MJ morning show. Go. Oh, how <laughs> long did he memorize that for? Holy cow. That guy has too much time on his hands. <laughs> I feel sick after hearing that, actually. <laughs> the MJ Morning Show podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, MJMorningShow.com, and RadioInfluence.com.